morning, everyone. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a preacher, but I believe in this book. It's truth and life, and today we need to hear about it. Um, I'm, I'm not one to reflect, it's just my personality. I'm a deep thinker at my work. Um, at home, I'm challenged to think deeply because of kids in the family. But um, so this whole situation this year, it, it was a, a downtime for about two weeks where uh, management shut all the projects down and we were asked, just revisit all your projects. If you're hitting milestones, complete it. We need to reassess everything. And dur during those two weeks, I, I had a chance to reflect. But things have just built tremendously from March, end of March, to where we are now. We have traveled a road, an incredible road of, wow, how could things get out of this realm of normalcy? And uh, today, I, when pastor asked me, um, hey, would you speak? I, I looked at everything I surveyed, well, where are we? You know, by the time I speak, we are just, after today, 92 days from our general election. And these are trying times. Uh, we, the people of God, we, we have a responsibility to uphold this. And uh, today I'm not in the realm of, of ex explaining a whole lot, but I believe this Bible through and through and what it stands for. And the truth offends sometimes, but it also liberates. And my job today is not to offend, but as iron sharpens iron, uh, we need to soberly think of where we are as a person, as a believer, uh, as an American citizen, uh, we, we have to soberly think of what's happening. So we, just, we the people, the established truth. Um, I have to put my glasses on, so sorry. I chose um, Second Chronicles 7.14 to kind of indicate to us as, uh, as a body of believers, as, as people of God, we, we think of ourselves not, not praying, not seeking God, but we have to in these times. And Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, 14 says, if my people, he's calling out to us, you know, like we the people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. There is a lot of healing to be done, no doubt about it. Um, you hear the term, or you hear people talking, are these the last days? What, what, what time period are we living in? And I believe a lot of Bible scholars, I, I think the days are shortening. Um, the Lord's return is soon. 
Uh, the Bible says in um, Matthew 24, 26, no man knows the hour nor the day, not even the angels, of, of when his return will be. But there's great expectation and hope, and that we should have that. When, when I look at the established truth through biblical history, um, Psalms 33 and 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. God's word through the annals of biblical history has been for life, blessing, peace, and deliverance. When we look at moving from the biblical history to our nation's history, the founding fathers of, of, of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights, a lot of debate on the internet whether or not those are biblical induced documents or, or documents written in a Christian format, but they are, they really are. Um, if, if we were to look at uh, some of the verbiage and some of the, some of the words, um, I, I wanna look at Billy Graham's uh, first response to being asked about this, and this was in 1970, way back then. And he said, I do not see how anyone could study the history of America without recognizing religious influences. They have helped mold the nation from the beginning. In no other nation's founding documents can we find so many declarations of allegiance to God. Some of the founding fathers, John Adams, uh, he said at one time, Suppose a nation in some distant region should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts they exhibited. Every member would be obliged in conscience, in temperance, in frugality, and industry to justice, kindness, and charity towards his fellow men, and to piety love and reverence to what Almighty God. And several of the founding fathers had the faith. They were not perfect men, by all means. We are all sinners saved by grace. But through history and through the time period, the only book probably that they had with them was the Bible. And a lot of the old English language that comes out from the King James Version could be found in the Declaration of Independence. And and our Constitution. John Adams in 1813 wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson. He said, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. And I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and the attributes of God. Our U.S. Supreme Court in 1832 said, our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon the embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. And in the sense and to the extent of our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. We have traveled a road, haven't we? <laughs> we have traveled a road. Do you know that uh, 
In the Declaration of Independence and printed on the Liberty Bell is Leviticus 25.10. And you know, I went to Philadelphia. I saw the bell, but I've never dived into this. Leviticus 25.10 says, Consecrate the 15th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land and to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for each. Each of you is to return to your family, property, and to your own clan. And basically, the founding fathers selected this passage that demonstrated God's desire for jubilation and our commitment to family. Therefore, as you celebrate whatever holiday, remember that God wants you to enjoy it with your loved ones. These are the deep religious roots, biblical roots, that came through our history throughout time. If you look at the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, famous words. And you don't hear it today. You hear it in a lot of different contexts. All men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Great words. It's not hard to see how the founding fathers of the United States looked at the Bible and deduced that the ultimate pursuit of an individual's life is to pursue joy or happiness in the form of God's way. Ecclesiastes 37 and 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. The road we've traveled, today nothing makes sense. No more values, morals, civility, nothing. You don't see it. We are clearly living in an upside-down world where right is wrong, wrong is right, where moral is immoral, and immoral is moral, where good is evil and evil is good. Since COVID, well, post-COVID, I say when we got back to church, I want to commend our, our pastor for the stance he's taken to reveal the truth through history. It's, it's been an eye-opener um, for me. It has been. It's, it's an incredible journey that we've taken through biblical truth. But there's more. I want to get into some controversial things today. And again, it's not to offend you. But as iron sharpens iron... As a church and as a body of believers, we, we need to know where we stand. Yeah. Outside these walls, I think I know where everybody stands in here. Outside these walls, I'm not sure. Uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, a fair deal about uh, the New World Order. It isn't in the Bible. Actually, the New World Order was coined by politicians, presidents, uh, you know, historic men and women throughout history. This, this, this coined word, New World Order, has been around for quite a while. Biblical scholars have now used it in the sense of what, what they're saying the New World Order would be a transformation of your mind and your will from spiritual things, godly things, biblical things, to what they expect. I think... Bible scholars have latched on to it, and uh, 
We're going to see a video later um, with regards to the unveiling of, of what that looks like. Who's behind the movement? And th there's a lot of movements right now that are causing chaos, division. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what, if these are truly the last days, what's the, what, what does a Christian look like in the last days? And uh, again, it's not to offend you, but as iron sharpens iron, we want to leave here differently than when we walked in. So Father God, we just thank you for who you are, for your Holy Spirit's presence that's going to reign supreme now and forevermore. We thank you for this time, Lord, uh, that we still have the freedom to worship and come together and proclaim you as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. You are great Jehovah. You are our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. There's no fear when we serve you. And God, we just come before you, your throne, and humbly seek your face today. Give us wisdom to know the times that we live in and how to react. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Current events over the last few months have really turned the heads of Christians, believers. And, and we look at the time, um, COVID-19, who expected, really? Who expected this? Um, we've been through several different pandemics. Um, is it, as Pastor said when he was up here earlier, is it just a political influx of uh, control? Is it uh, truly a pandemic? I think there's a virus. I think there is a virus. Um, but it has brought so much fear into the lives of believers that I got to speak openly on it. I got, I really have trouble wearing this. I really do. The fibers tickle me and I, I, I sneeze, I cough, you know, it, it just doesn't fit me. It really doesn't. And I want to be respectful. I do. You know, the Bible says, honor the civil authorities. But when there's a overstepping of civil authority into my freedom, I have a problem. I really do. And who would have anticipated that local government, or, and, and, and the government had to push the same agenda too. There, there was so much outcry on this pandemic. You know, um, when you look at what local government has been doing, um, it, it, it's pretty stifling, restrictive. If you look at what the road we've traveled, shutting down the church, liquor stores could be open, shut down the church, shut down the voices. When I walk into Walmart, well, first of all, outside of Walmart, it's this big, huge dude, big chested biceps, and on it says security. And he's pointing at you when you're walking right away. Put your mask on. And that, it just happened not too long ago. And as I walked in Walmart, I was like, wow, this, this is serious now. You walk in, prior to, prior to this, you, you would walk past a person, stranger. You would get an eye contact. You would get a nod. Hello. How are you doing? Smile. You put this on. It's a veil of shutting that interaction, 
That's how I see it. I might offend medical folks today, but I'm sorry. What, what it's doing for me, I, I, have a, I have a personality, I'm reserved, but I'm also conscious of who I'm around. And I think a lot of us are. As Christians, we have that relationship. God has given that, that, that relational personality. We smile. We say hello. Uh, we, we're, although we're, we're reserved, we still have that reflection of God. It's hard to do it with this. I, I'm serious. It is hard. It, it's restrictive. If you've ever watched a movie where the movie is based in China or Russia, everything you see based on the covering that they utilize, it's so restrictive that it's, you have a downcast look about yourself. It's, it's like this. Nobody raises their head. Nobody smiles. It's, it, it's a veil. It's a veil of blocking what God has given you, which is the outreach of, of, of that relational input of the Holy Spirit to reach people, to speak to people. And I, I was taken aback when the governor of California... They went through the CDC guidelines, and they heightened it. And then he put, he put in on a, a newscast that you can't pray or praise in, in church. And immediately, uh, there's a legal team of, um, of civil lawyers. I, I believe they represent Liberty University. Uh, they jumped on him like white on rice. And they said, no way. <laughs> Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech, buddy. And he, he backed off. And if they were going to take it to that level, what's the next step? What's the next step? Here in the state on July 17th, we became the first state out of all the states. Oregon will follow next, and then Michigan. The first state we are. You follow the CDC guidelines. You go to work, if you are diagnosed with COVID, your name is tagged, and it goes up the ladder, goes up the chain, down the chain, that you, XYZ person, you have COVID-19, and you are quarantined for two weeks, and you are not coming back to work until you get approval from management. That's the gist of it. They played around with it, but that's the gist of it. July 17th, that came out. Two hours later, my company issued that right away. Bam. What's the next step? The framers of the Constitution meant we would have freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. Paul the Apostle gives us the law in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaken the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more, as you see, the day of the Lord approaching. That's when we need to bind ourselves together as a body of believers. Not to be shut down. And that's what they're putting us in, that box. Shutting us down. Man's law, stay at home, save the world. Lock down the church, two weeks, six weeks, whatever. Until, you can, until they say you could get loose. How far will they go? 
During the process of COVID-19, Plant Parenthood got $500 million to their cause. That's sad. <laughs> During a pandemic, $500 million goes for shedding of innocent blood, killing babies. 40 million people lost their jobs, but $500 million goes to Planned Parenthood. You know, God, again, God's word just instructs us to obey the law of the land, obey civil authority, but when it goes beyond our freedom and our liberties, we got to take a stand. We the people can't cower in fear. And I have uh, a PowerPoint slide with some, some scripture verses that, uh, you know, I, I was fearful when I was growing up as a little child. I was, I was a fear of the dark. And my mom used to read me a lot of scripture. There, there's a lot of scripture on fear, let me tell you. It's more than 360-something. So every day of the, the year, you got scripture for fear. Psalm 34 and 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Yeah. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I love this one. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thereafter your mind. I'm going to get into that later. They're after your mind. Romans 8 and 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Church, we got to look at how this attack of fear diminishes our capacity in serving him. Because people are nuts. They're going crazy. As Pastor said, families are going through a tough period fighting. Uh, People are fear, fearful for their jobs. They're fearful to be around different people of different color. <laughs> this thing is very, very crazy. I came across some um, in, in my study during this whole shutdown period. I came across a study of a Methodist minister in the 1930s. Uh, his name is John G. Lake. And uh, John G. Lake... Being a Methodist at that time, this is way before the full gospel movement. So this guy was just a firecracker. He was full of God. Um, he tested God in his faith. And uh, in the 1930s, he went to South Africa as a missionary. And during that period of, of being a missionary, his, his church um, that, that he sort of planted there, it was growing, and the bubonic plague hit. And it just devastated uh, the, the church. Uh, people died. Uh, the town that he was in, um, there, there were people just, you know, bodies just laid. And nobody was doing anything. The British were there, so researchers, scientists were there. The bubonic plague was a big thing back then. And uh, he and one of his... Uh, Co-workers, they prayed, and they said, we are going to bury the bodies and respectfully bury the dead. And he started doing that, and the researchers and scientists looked around and said, hey, Mr. Lake, aren't you not afraid? This is, this is a serious pandemic. This is serious. You're not afraid? 
He said, nope, I have God on my side. I said, what do you mean? He said, Let, let's, let's test this. He said, go take the saliva out of that dead person's body. Put it under your microscope. What do you see? Well, the germs are there. Yes, they are. He said, hand it over to me. And he prayed in the name of Jesus. This is from his biography that he wrote. And he, he, he laid it down and he said, test it again. And they did that several times. Nothing. And this is what he said to them. Pretty profound. He said, I believe the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And as long as I walk in the light of that law of life, no germ will attach itself to me. And then he quoted to them John, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I read that and was like, man, that's pretty strong. You know, that, uh, that really attacks a person if they're fearful. So I read it again. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I questioned myself. I said, Lord, if I'm accepting of your love for me, what am I saying if I'm fearful? Am I telling you, hey, I'm good today for you, but, you know, today I'm just COVID-19 candidate. Are we allowing fear to grip our hearts and spirit? I think he was, he was right on target. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. I hope today that law abides with you to set you free from fear. I think fear is one of uh, the killers today because fear translates from COVID-19 to my next topic. Uh, the new world order and the establishment of it. Um, again, it's used in history evidencing a dramatic change in world political thought and the balance of power. Well, that's how... Uh, Cambridge and Oxford Dictionary says it. Again, this new world coined word has been around for centuries. And uh, Ephesians 6, 12, and 13 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we are seeing it come to the surface. It's been around, but I think it's becoming evident. Matthew 24, 12, the lawlessness, speaking of lawlessness, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till it's time to take us away. So we're here for a little while, guys. How are we going to react to this? And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy 
by the splendor of his coming. So this new world order, what is it like? Who's behind it? Let's take a look at um, a video I came across that was uh, on Trinity Broadcasting Network, or TBN. And uh, the show is hosted um, by Sid Roth. And Sid Roth, he does uh, a show called The Supernatural, or Supernatural. And um, Paul McGuire was his guest speaker. And Paul went into the unveiling of, of the new world order, what it would look like. L listen to some of the words that he uses. And this was back in 2018. And what it's from 28 and what it translates to 2020. There, there's some, some verbiage in there that he uses that, that we're seeing right now. So let's, uh, let's look at that. I, I researched a lot of very intense fields, such as the occult and the Luciferian elite that really exist and really do run this planet. They are real people. See, the Bible says that we're in a spiritual war. Uh, Apostle Paul, for our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Christians, for the most part, give lip service to that, but they don't really take it seriously. So the reality is, Lucifer is communicating. Uh, his, his organizational structure is like a pyramid that goes back to Pharaoh, and the slaves are at the bottom. And by the way, in the back of your dollar bill, you see the occult pyramid. And probably most of you are familiar with that eyeball in the pyramid in the back of your dollar bill. That's the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. Okay? That's Satan's eyeball. Now ask yourself a question. What is Satan's eyeball doing in the back of the dollar bill? In case you're confused as to why. And by the way, that's not my opinion. That is the opinion of scholars. It's, it's not a debatable thing that I said it. You, don't, you can't debate that, okay? You can try. Do some homework and the debate's ended. Okay, so in the bottom of the pyramid are, are the words in Latin, nuvos order seclorum, new order of the ages, which means new world order. So we see on the back of the dollar bill an occult pyramid with the, world's, uh, the words New World Order, because that's where America, Sir Francis Bacon in the mid-1600s planned for America to be the New Atlantis and the head of the New World Order. He was the head of the Rosicrucians, which became the Illuminati, and a cult secret society, which goes back to ancient Babylon, all right? Now, um, the Illuminati, which is, a, very they're still in existence today, very powerful occult organization that runs the world. Remember, the Illuminati financed the communists and they financed Hitler, okay? They also backed the KKK. And what does it have to do with the KKK? KKK is this master race stuff, okay? So, um, the goal is to go into a new world order which is all in the Bible. Now, um, the phoenix, which I for most of my life thought was an eagle, and there's many other occult symbols all over the dollar, okay? The goal is to go into a global currency. Well, look, never before in the history of mankind are we, we're now in the place where the global currency is within striking distance. The target date is 2018. They've made similar announcements. They may not hit that date, but
but that's their target date, and the target name for the global currency is the phoenix, based on that occult bird. America is moving very quickly into this new world order, okay? That's why we see all the transformation going. Everything that's happening, for the most part, is not accidental, it's strategic. All the things that appear to be random are not random, they're part of a plan. And I'm just gonna get down to it really bluntly. The motto of the Illuminati, an occult organization, was order out of chaos. So the Illuminati deliberately, they're a cult, deliberately creates chaos so they can bring in their new world order. That's their operating game plan. That's why they finance the Russians and the Nazis. Number two, the Communist Manifesto that, you know, promises the worker's paradise will redistribute the wealth. You know, all our kids in school are being taught that. You go to Moscow. Moscow's got more billionaires than any other city in the world. Do you see the wealth equally shared in Moscow? I don't. See the wealth equally shared in Cuba? See the wealth equally sh shared in China? Everywhere communist uh, uh, dictatorship has been, been installed, there's no worker's paradise. The workers are worse off than they ever were. Okay? Lie. But guess what? The Communist Manifesto is a total mirror copy of the Illuminati Occult Manifesto that was published 100 years earlier. So that tells you there's a relationship between communism and the Illuminati. And by the way, Karl Marx, the author of the Communist Manifesto, was a practicing Satanist. They didn't tell you that in school because they don't want you to know. He was a practicing Satanist and he hated Christ. Now, Hitler was also deeply involved in the occult. So, in America, See, if we don't know history, you know the old expression, you're doomed to repeat it. Americans don't know history. Most of you probably know history a whole lot more than the younger generations. Why did the German evangelical church legally vote for Hitler as their head? He was voted into office. Why did the evangelical church overwhelmingly support Hitler. And the question should be asked, if they had the Holy Spirit inside them, and if they had an ounce of spiritual discernment in them, and they paid attention at all to the, it was quite out in the open that the Third Reich, by the way, was not a political party first, it was an occult party first. Everybody in Germany knew that. All the secret occult societies societies were openly putting Hitler into power. So how come the evangelical church, nobody had a discernment from the Holy Spirit that this man's demon-possessed? If somebody walked into this room demon-possessed and pretended to be a leader, all of you with the Holy Spirit inside you would have that uncomfortable feeling, right? But they welcomed Hitler as the Messiah. Why was that? Why was the uh, evangelical church so um, hypnotized. The American church in America today is in the exact same place spiritually as the evangelical church was in Nazi Germany. That's a serious warning because it goes in steps. First you demonize Christians. We're on the top of the list. 
Uh, you can go and Google and search it. There was an Air Force report that came out the other day. Evangelical Christians are number one on the list of religious extremists, possible terrorists. We're above the KKK. We're above Al-Qaeda. We're above the Muslim Brotherhood. What's that about? Okay, you know what that means? In a time of crisis, they come after us first. And you all know what happens in Nazi Germany, where it led concentration camps and so on and so forth. I research a lot of very intense. Thanks, guys. Deep. Mr. Truth, where's the evangelical church headed? I know within these walls what mostly will be or political uh, belief, the values we expect from political policies, economic policies. I know within these walls. I know biblically where we stand. Outside, I'm gonna get into a little bit more later on what, what I, the, the church outside these walls, what, what's happening with it. Um, Three quick points that um, Paul McGuire brought up, and I want to touch on it. Order out of chaos. This way back in 2018, the death of the dollar and the evangelical church. Order out of chaos. Let's start with the movement called Antifa. Wow, what a destructive bunch. A diverse array of autonomous groups in the country that's been a sleeper for a little while. Cannot pinpoint directly what are their triggers and what's driving them. What are, what are their drivers? But they're anti-everything. Anti-God, the establishment of God, religion, government, capitalism, economic policies, reform policies. Even anti-Starbucks. Anytime I look at the news, there's a Starbucks burning and they've just marched through. Many protests, rioting. The Chaz and Chop Zone in Seattle, that was part of them too. Many activists associated with Antifa are believed to be proponents of uh, anarchism, Anarchists oppose government, the authority of structure, and they interfere with the individual's freedom of choice, your choice. Other damaging ideologies, communism, Marxism, social democracy, and socialism. That's their end goal. Folks, our youth culture is tearing itself apart because it rejects all authority. Parental authority forgets spiritual authority. The, you know, in the Bible, it mentions a few riots <laughs> in uh, the New Testament. Paul was a, a victim of rioters on several occasions in 2 Corinthians, Acts. In each case, jealousy, deception were at the heart of the riot. It was, hateful, it was a hateful agenda, and the instigators were fired up. They fired up the townspeople. They fired up friends. And uh, the fact that most of the Ephesian rioters, they did not even know what they were uh, rioting about. That's a mob mentality right now. 
My word for uh, this group is Ephesians 4, 26 and 31. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed in the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Certainly, I'm not a proponent of them. They do need Jesus. They need our prayers. They have ripped communities apart. Just, just looking at the mayhem on, on the news, it's, it's just incredible how folks that have taken life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness to build something up is just destroyed by one march, one protest. And no one says anything about it. No one holds them accountable to it. That's a movement that's part of this new world order. A second one, which is pretty controversial, Black Lives Matter. And before we discuss that, I want to set the tone biblically for Christians, who we are. Christ's compassion, when he hung himself on the cross for us, it was for the whole world. Every color, every creed, every people. That compassion translates to us. There is no one expecting to go to heaven having hatred and having a form of discrimination in their life. Let's be real here, okay? It's not going to happen. You're not going to get there. The Bible says every knee should be, will bow, every tongue confess to the glory of God our Father that he is Lord. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, for us Christians, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. We cannot be a Christian and not love our fellow brethren, whatever color. From creation, from Adam, whatever color Adam, what, I don't know and I don't care. But God created him. And after he created Adam and Eve, he said everything was beautiful. So if I want to go to heaven as a Christian and as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, I cannot hold hatred and discrimination in my heart. And I know none of you do. But why the propaganda right now? And I want to dive into uh, Black Lives Matter because it is so controversial. It is ripping the very fabric of our country and the world. This, this movement is strong. It started in 2013, uh, three African-American women, and it has just picked up momentum a whole lot. It, it started with uh, injustice to the black community. And I think we have enough compassion as Christians when we see injustice in the world, we have to say that needs to be stamped out. Let's go back to uh, George Floyd. Oh, yeah, George Floyd. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the events of that, 
um, we have to say that's wrong. And, and basically those guys, those officers, uh, they, they have to go through a due process, a judicial process. And they need to be eliminated from the force. Anyone like them in that fashion need to be exited. There needs to be a reform, not defunding, trust me. We don't need that. That adds more lawlessness if we defund. But it's getting real cranked up now. And the Black Lives Matter movement, when you go to their website, you see hands raised. And their slogan, now we transform. Hands raised. Now we transform. New world order stepping in. It's going to get controversial. <laughs> it is. I'm going, to put, I'm going to speak biblically the truth here. Because when you... I had to surf around a lot to find out what, what's their mission. What, what's their mission statements. What, what is truly their underlying uh, foundations. I understand the, the social injustice. And we have that in our spirit as well. When we see that, we don't agree with it. Our spirit doesn't agree with that. And it, it, this is hard. When I read it, I, I, I was kind of shocked too. And, and they, they change it a lot. You have to go down in, into the layers of the website to figure out what it is. But let's look at some excerpts of, of their mission statement. We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. So it's basically the prejudice against women. I don't think us as believers, men, we have prejudice against women. Again, that goes against the spiritual law that if we want to get to heaven, and that's just being basic about it, okay? If, if we're going to go to heaven, there's no prejudice, there's no discrimination from us, okay? We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, prejudice against them, and environments in which men are centered. Men, men are always going to be centered from a biblical standpoint. How I know that? God said it from the creation story in Genesis, first chapter in Genesis. He created Adam in his image and likeness, and he placed Adam in the garden to work it. The Bible clearly affirms equality of men and women. See Galatians 3.28. It's, it's basically we are all one in Christ. God has assigned the responsibility of the spiritual leadership to husbands. So basically in the garden, when God introduced Eve, he took from Adam's side to create Eve, making the quality of it. So there's no, when I look at it, you know, man was first, but then God created woman to walk beside a man. And no man in this room is going to look at me and say, well, I don't like my wife's advice. Okay. <laughs> they give us the best advice ever. <laughs> so so that's, all, uh, that's all a propaganda here for me. Secondly, one of their 
mission statement, do the work required to dismantle, here's a big one, cisgender privileges. Cisgender privileges. So they use strong words, dismantle. You know, um, that, that, that's real strong. So here, here's what this cisgender looks like. So at the hospital, um, man and woman, woman has a baby, doctor comes out. It's a boy. Yay. Blue balloons. And that young man, he grows into a young man, from a boy to a young man, and, and works hard, gets married to a woman, and they build a family. Two doors down, doctor comes out to another couple. Your girl. Yay. Pink balloons. This little girl grows up into a young lady, beautiful, and, and her heart's desire, work if she wants to, get a career, get a husband, have a family, work hard for the family. That's the cisgender. They dismantle that. Why do you want to dismantle what God put in place? Come on. Dismantle. That's strong. That's really, really strong words for me. So... What, what they're pointing towards is the transgender or the T in LGBTQ. And, and that's where some people have a gender identity that doesn't match their sex. That is not in the Bible. I'm sorry. That is not in the Bible. Genesis 127 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. One of the biggest ones I think Pastor touched on not too long ago We disrupt. So from dismantle, they go to disrupt. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other, other in extended families and villages. Okay, so we live in the West. I know people who live in the East. They, they're married, man and woman. They have kids. So why the West? So they want to take that away. In Matthew chapter 9, 19, verse 4, 5, uh, Jesus was um, speaking to the Pharisees. And he likes speaking to them because they're just like what we're going through right now. Have you not read, he said, that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is Jesus' reference to the creation, why men and women were created, and why the family is in existence. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. One of the last ones, we foster a queer affirming network. Queer meaning I am not straight. Even though I'm a man, I could sleep with man or woman. That is not even in the Bible. And I am not even going there. So here what Leviticus 18.22 says, you shall not lie with a male as you do with a woman because it's an abomination, okay? So what are the effects of these movements today? Mind control, social injustice, but it's more like, hey, we're going to destroy what you are... <laughs> we, we embody the, the fullness of God. I am going to destroy that in you. This, this is a very strong movement. And again, 
I have no hatred in my heart. I have compassion in my heart. And as believers, we all do. But this is a very strong movement that has taken off in a quick, short six years. Everything you see right now on television will reference that moving forward. It's a, it's a mindset. They're changing, changing the tone for people to think that way, react that way, look at that way. It's also a, a medium of fear, introducing a, a medium of fear in, into the lives of ind individuals. The liberal media, secular culture, they're utilizing a lot of scare tactics right now. And we have to be prayed up in the spirit, as the pastor said it this morning. We have to be prayed up in the spirit, not today, continually in the spirit, to deal with these times that we're living in. They're using the scare tactics to drive the American people, the Christian united group in America, believers and followers of Jesus Christ, into submission. Do not fall for it. Do not fall for it. A couple things in, 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 in our state that's going to probably ushering some of this for the movement. The movement is pretty strong in, in, uh, here in, in, uh, in our state. I'm not going to even mention the name. But, um, you know, corporations are getting involved. Big corporations are getting involved. To the tune of $50 million they give into the cause. And our state is a, is a very, um, it's a state where it's, it's, it's on its own in, in the sense of economy. In, in it has a strong established industry here. Uh, utility, banking, medical, uh, infrastructure, shipyards, waterways, mili four military branches. We have it here. Um, th th this state is primed to bring in and ushering that, that movement, and it's happening. Something uh, that popped in my head, and I wrote it down real quick. Don't know if you ever heard of data centers. Data centers are where you, information from your phone, your email, texting, it's warehouse. It's, it is warehouse. Whatever you, you put in that phone, it's warehoused somewhere. Guess where it's warehoused? Right in the state. Okay. In over the last eight, eight years, and these data centers occupy 10 million square feet of space. Okay. Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, AT&T. Those are the big ones. You have your uh, phone connected to one of those. Everything you text, everything you send, everything you speak about God, it's being recorded, it's being saved right here in this state. Over 100 data centers are here right now, operational, okay, operational. For me, I'm, I'm just speaking in my mind, this will be the introduction of censorship. How many of you, I'm not on Facebook, but my wife is. 
And during the last couple of months when things got really heated, people were exchanging ideas, thoughts, Bible verses. And they were, wasn't mad, they were just speaking from, you know, the truth. And a lady that lives in the neighborhood, and a lot of people followed after her. I don't know how Facebook works, to be honest. But um, she posted something. It was there for a couple minutes, and right away, she went back. It was gone. And then a few other people started saying the same thing. The censorship has started even the president's Instagram account. Was tampered with. These are far-reaching movements and and big business that are coming in, taking away your liberties, your freedom of speech. And I wanted to put that in there because I'm in the business of uh, we power that stuff up, all right. And uh, a guy at work told me about it. He said uh, he's a Christian and. Um, He's an older guy, so I like to humor with him. He doesn't use the word Google. He says goggle. So he said, Brian, you know, I goggled all of this stuff. And let me tell you, this is, this is serious stuff. I say, yeah, Bob, it is. And, and he's a nice Baptist guy. I love him to death. He, he, I learned so much from him. And uh, he really got down into how he felt about it. He broke down in tears. He's an older guy. He's, he's, he's retired. But they brought him back just because of his experience on the system. And, uh, and he and I are just connected. And I love him to that. And he broke down and he said, I didn't grow up this way, Brian. I didn't. I can't believe. And I said, Bob, hold Jesus close to your heart, buddy. He's the one that's going to hold our hands and take us through every step of the way. His feet was shaken. And it, it's going to happen at some point in time. Because they're ramping it up. It's, it's coming. The wave after wave. I can't believe how much stuff we've been through this year. I couldn't even put it all on paper. I mean, wow. From statues coming down, burning this. It, it became just unbearable to watch the news. And it still is. What are we moving to? What, what's their game plan? What's their end, end game here? It is a socialist government. <laughs> communist rule dictatorship and that, that's where we headed the monetary system during COVID-19 cash we couldn't do cash cash was considered dirty money contaminated money we're going to plastic they want to see exactly what you're spending how much you're going to get probably if we do go socialist government so so here's what I have for them the joys of socialism didn't work for Hitler uh, Joseph Stalin Fidel Castro Hugo Chavez and it wouldn't work in the United States of America because we are a Christian nation, okay? We are going to pray. We are going to bind the works of the enemy. Yeah. Socialist government makes, makes, will come in and say, make themselves your God. <laughs> you know, we don't need that. We have a God. He supplies every need that we have. And he sits on high and he controls everything. And he's probably laughing at them right now. And he's saying... I got it figured out. They don't. Jim Rohn, an American uh, motivational speaker, said, Beware of those who seek to take care of you, lest your caretakers become your jailers. That is <laughs> pretty strong. 
Folks, if we don't use our freedom to defend our freedom, we will lose our freedom. Yeah. Heard it from a good pastor that I like to listen to, so I'll, set up, I'll put it in there. <laughs> if we don't use our freedom to defend our freedom, we will lose our freedom. Right. To the evangelical church, Jesus said, the signs of the end times, man's heart will fail him for the fear of looking at those things that are coming on earth. Most people need to know how those fears, uh, instead of... Uh, can it infiltrate our lives and how we need to deal with it? Man, I am over the time and I am sorry. Okay. We the people, how are we going to react in the last days? Qualities of an end time Christian. I'm going to blow through this because I think you know what we're headed for. Okay, we the people, we need to be a holy people. Holiness is a requirement from the Lord. Be holy as I am holy, he said. Holiness is a reflection of Christ. Paul desired consuming the identity of Christ. He wanted to be consumed with the identity of Christ, be imitators of Christ. Holiness is the result of the Holy Spirit in us. Be prayed up in the Holy Spirit. Put on the Holy Spirit's armor. The kids' video, that was ideal to deal with principalities and powers, wickedness in high places that we see right now. Secondly, a faithful people. We the people need to be a faithful people. Faithfulness is dependent upon the establishment. The word establishment suggests firmness, stability, growth, and healthfulness. Faithfulness is a proof of steadfastness. Paul exhorted the Corinthians, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We the people need to be an active people. Fate without works is dead. I'm going to speak to the senior guys in here like myself. And pastor, quick story. When my dad was a boy, 10, 11 years old, he was brought up in a Muslim family being trained to be an imam or, or a spiritual leader in the Islamic order. When he was at school, the kids were talking about a missionary that came from the United States and he was preaching about Jesus. My dad didn't have a clue. Every Sunday, he would, he would be sent to his room to go over the Quran and the scriptures. And the Lord was tugging at his heart. He climbed out the one-story bedroom and he headed for the Sunday school in that afternoon. And the missionary spoke about Jesus, spoke about the love of Jesus, and gave him a te New Testament. He came back home and under the candle, under the table, he started reading. Until they found out what he was doing and they kicked him out of the house. 10 and 11 year old, he went to an uncle who was supposed to train him to be an imam. And the uncle looked him in the face and said, look, if you want to be a Christian, I'm going to let you be a Christian. You serve your God. My dad just, just that. After 63 years of pastoral ministry, he just resigned. He was able to reach just from a missionary taking that leap of faith to go over to a foreign land to unveil the gospel. My dad was able to reach Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims. My, my mom, who was a practicing Hindu, went to one of his revival in, the, in his early, being an evangelist in those early days, and she got saved right away. And look at the link. A legacy, and I'm, I'm going to speak to the, the senior guys, be that legacy. Don't give up on the faith. Okay, don't give up on the faith. To the younger crowd, you're probably thinking of, oh my goodness, look at all this stuff. Would I ever get married? Would I ever get my car? Would I ever get a husband? You know, what about my job? Would I ever graduate? Keep doing it. Keep moving forward. 
be progressive in life and move in, in faith day after day with God. James admonished, be doers of the word. So today, be doers of the word. Practice it. Move in faith. Build a house. Build a family until the coming of the Lord. All right, we're almost done. We the people, we need to be a thankful people. Thanksgiving is an, an expression of gratitude. The gratitude that those who have been redeemed from the hands of the enemy... Just remember, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We have to remember his divine favor for us. We should remember as Christians that when we were yet without strength, he died for us. The Lord's table is a reminder of his mercy. We haven't had it through COVID-19. Practice it at home. It's easy to buy grape juice and read the scriptures and enter into that covenant, that relationship, that cup of blessing with the Lord. Why does God show us with his blessings? It's undeserving. We are undeserving creatures, but yet his blessings are, is a token of his love. Love begets love. Finally, we the people need to be a ready people. We need to be an informed people. Regarding the end time, Jesus told his disciples, when he shall see these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Jesus added in Luke 21 and 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Be an alert people. Watch therefore, for we know not what the hour the Lord cometh. Be a ready people. Be also ready, for in such an hour think not the Son of Man cometh. Readiness should be the watchword of a sincere Christian. Readiness involves assurance of salvation, cleansing of life, complete dedication, constant fellowship with the Lord, and faithfulness in service. We still have our faithful duty. Assemble ourselves, spread the word of God, don't live in fear. So what manner of person should we be? We ought to be people who are born of the Spirit, cleansed of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, used by the Spirit, even in these times. One of my favorite scripture verses I want to leave with you for we the people of God. It's in Romans 8, 37 and 39. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord, to him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is no separation today. I don't know today if you're living in fear. If I've offended you, I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm only speaking from my heart what's in here as well. Fear really restricts us right now. Um, there's a ton of people just living in fear, whether it's as a, a Christian or believer outside of these walls. Uh, fear's ramp rampant. As I said, it's not a good-looking thing in Walmart when you see people looking at you, and there, there's no connection. Our connection has been stolen. And it's a ploy by the enemy being utilized by different individuals to stifle Christ Jesus in our lives. And whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, 
Fear grips the heart. But you could be liberated through the blood of Jesus Christ and the love of God in your life today. And all you do is simply ask him to deliver you from that fear. It was a pleasure um, bringing the word to you. And again, sorry if I did, you know, offended anybody, but uh, this has been on my heart. And I feel it's important that as believers, we the people need to walk out of here knowing that we have a, still have a voice. 92 days before um, our general election, we still have a voice. I'm going to put in my political tidbit right here. I am a Republican because... It is the party that represents my Christian beliefs and values. When you know a president is doing good, the mainstream media will criticize him, and they have criticized him from day two, day two of his presidency. I, I looked at some of his accomplishments. It is like a dossier of multiple pages. This guy was working while he was being criticized. While propaganda and false narrative was being thrown against him, he was working hard on behalf of the people. And we the people still have that voice to do our business <laughs> in oh, November 3rd, I think. Don't miss that opportunity. Because freedom in Christ Jesus will, will last for us during a period. I want to still have that freedom to move about. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't deal with this. I cannot. I cannot deal with this. Maybe after November it might be gone. I don't know. That's just me talking. But we the people, remember, <laughs> he, he's, he's a president. He has a mouth, yes. Who doesn't, okay? Who doesn't? But he tells it like it is. He's not a politician. He's a businessman. I'm glad for that. Because he sees things differently. Economy, before coming to this year, was, man, booming. There was uh, unemployment rate down only president to recognize uh, the capital of Israel uh, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel these are significant things that nobody wants to talk about but we the people we know we have to share the information share the truth from biblical truth we have to share it as well so that's my stance on COVID-19, the way we are today. And, uh, you know, live for God, li live with him w with purpose. God wants to consume you to share his word still. He wants to use every one of us, even during these, uh, this period of time that we live in. So thank you. Appreciate it.